Welcome to the Weekend Must Watch on Intercut, the weekly show going through the movies, TV, and entertainment that people just can't cut away from. I am your host, Arturo, and joining me, as always, it is the one and only Zachary Shevik. What's up, Zach? Brand new year, dude. Yeah. New year, fresh date on the calendar. I'm still writing 2022 on my checks. I'm not really writing checks anymore. Bro, I was writing uh, 2021 probably deep into March, so that's how I already know. I'm not going to put any dates on anything. Last year I was calling Scream, Scream 2021 for a long time. So I'm going to be calling (laughs) the new Scream probably the last Scream. But I'm here to watch another three three hour movie with Zach as we get into what is pretty much just the tail end of 2022. Uh, I feel like January and February are back to being what they used to be. The exactly. Months there's, there's, out of the year where they dump it. <laughs> it it's it's back to jumpuary. Oh, sorry, dumpuary territory in in January. There's not a whole, <laughs> not a whole lot of interesting stuff out there. It's a lot of leftover stuff. A lot of catching up with movies, especially as we get into award season and Oscar season. And I, I guess there's a Golden Globes happening again that people are suddenly excited about next week. <laughs> Yeah, and, and only some it. of those people they excited about globes. it are also paid by the same guy who runs the Golden Globes. But uh, yeah, it, it gives <laughs> us a chance to there. catch up on some stuff, catch up on some intercut bookkeeping and updates, y'all, and what we got going on. But first and foremost, man, we, we just got to talk about the movies. There's movies out there. Movies. There's always going movies. to be movies. And uh, it, it feels like we just wrapped a whole year worth of hundreds upon hundreds of movies, and then the new year begins and there's another 20 a week, right? Uh, in theaters, we haven't had too much, but we had a, a couple of little movies that came out like Puss in Boots. I know a lot of people are really excited for that. Uh, I'm working on a little Puss in Boots video starting from, I don't know what's wrong with Letterboxd today. You're going to see a lot yeah, of Yeah, Letterboxd I don't know is if a you little saw that. spazzy Letterboxd's today. Letterboxd's been, man, y'all going to make me switch right. back to IMDb, and I just updated to Pro or whatever the biggest one is, so yeah. it's going to be a little funky today, but... Uh, with Puss in Boots out, I know that that was tracking to do pretty decent numbers. Uh, you also had another movie that came out this week, and I want to dance with somebody. I want to show it to you, but it won't let me. Uh, <laughs> I want to dance with somebody is the newest biopic about Whitney Houston that I know a lot of people were excited for. Uh, yeah, this is not working. Going to stick to IMDb. It's a great year for Letterbox. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Getting off to a good start. I, I, I was excited for it only because it's Whitney Houston, right? And I had seen the trailer mm-hmm. come out of nowhere, and I'm like, yo, this is going to be something that could be a big Christmas movie. They were never going to budge their date. Then it turns out that it comes from the people of Bohemian Rhapsody, which got some people really excited and then got some other people who felt, okay, this is going to be a standard by the numbers biopic. Look, easily put, it's a Whitney biopic, but it's not the Whitney biopic. You know, it's Mm. covering a lot of things that I don't think people even knew about Whitney early on. uh, I guess her best friend had a 2019 book about their relationship. This movie's going at it completely as fact. That was something that took me for a loop. I just didn't know about that. Interesting. Uh, and then in building up, you know, her career and how she comes from a, a troubled family, but still has this voice of a generation that she knew she could make something of herself. Uh, a majority of the movie isn't as creative as something like Bohemian Rhapsody was, where he's coming up with the music on the spot because he thinks of a cow or whatever. A majority of this movie is Stanley Tucci playing her music on cassettes. And her going yay or nay. It's a whole episode of yay or nay for a majority of the stuff. Uh, she'll listen to a song on a, on a Walkman and be like, yeah, this is the one that I want. And then that's what uh, becomes a creative process of it. It is cool to see a lot of the sequences where she's reenacting the music videos, where she's reenacting performances. But when it's someone as big as Whitney Houston, 
You know, you get uh, almost like the Elvis debacle where it's like there are certain points where you just got to cut to the original voice. E- even with mm-hmm. Rami, you know, he didn't even bother doing the voice. Uh, right. And I'm led to believe that she did do some of it or as much as she could for it. Uh, and it's I, a and tall I think task. her performance is, it's a tall task, but I think her performance in this is good. It's just the writing doesn't help her. She mm-hmm. is a person where you cannot highlight the brightest moments of her career if you're too afraid to get to the dark moments. And that's not on Naomi's fault. I think she does a really good job uh, as one of her biggest, probably early roles that she's had. But that script's not going to do it. it mm. You cannot highlight the brightest moments. You can't go. Uh, you can't highlight the highs if you can't. Uh, if you don't have the the strength to go for the lows. Yeah. There are several moments where she is being told what she's facing. You don't see it. So she's at a radio station where the guy tells her, "You've got all this baggage on you, and nobody likes you from this community." And she's like, "Yeah, well, I just got to deal with it." But you never really see it. <laughs> uh, there's uh, obviously they they get into her whole relationship with uh, Bobby, and the way that they try to like they begin the relationship by her kind of manhandling him. That's mm. an interesting way to begin that, considering yeah. what the relationship would end up being. Uh, there was another moment here uh, where obviously we know what ends up happening with Whitney. But the way that they try to cover this, Zach, and this is slightly a spoiler if you want to see it, but the way that they cover her substance abuse is by her meeting up with fans who want an autograph to hide it. But then the fan who gets the autograph after slipping whatever needs to be slipped and he's got his money throws away the booklet still in the hotel lobby. Thus, what was the whole point of the facade of faking it that you were doing in exchange? It's high school level drama uh, mm. in terms of how they try to deal with the abuse and that. And obviously it's to keep it at the PG-13 rating. It's to keep it in the, you know, the most mainstream possible way. I don't know if people are, are looking for the for the roughest Whitney Houston biopic, but if you're in there for the music, all of it is really performances. And you can argue that it's better to just watch the originals back home, but I think that Naomi does a decent job for it. So for me, it's a decent rent it. If you're a big Whitney fan and you want to see this in like a Dolby screen, I don't even think it's being played in Dolby, but hopefully you got a nice theater and maybe it's a junior price. But for me, I'd say wait until you're at home because it's two hours and something and change. You're not really in there for the story of Whitney. You're in there kind of for the highlights. It's a nice Wikipedia film of her career so i want yeah, to dance with somebody it, it, in theaters now yeah maybe the purpose of of some of these less than great biopics is just kind of a gateway to people who maybe are less familiar to to get into a whitney houston or a freddie mercury or or a elton john or who have you uh it is always the thing that we default to when a new music biopic comes out does this fall victim to the walk hard dewey cox story comparison does it just hit way too many of those way too familiar beats man when i tell you she hears uh and i i like it (laughs) 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 it's like come on now you know it's aware of what she is going to become and confuses mm-hmm. that with, no, we're writing a character who's confident. No, you're writing a character from the perspective of all of us knowing she's going to be an icon, not someone who knew she yeah. was going to be an icon. So, yeah, exactly. it, it's beat by beat. But, again, uh, it's a shame. You know, it's Whitney, dude. It, Whitney, I think, is going to get way more documentaries, biopics, miniseries. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. not one of those where you're going to be like, oh, no, they ruined it. it. There's many more to come. But this was the one that got the estate. So, hopefully, in the future... They do allow the estate to uh, be able to give the, the the rights to this music because 
It's kind of difficult to make an artist's biopic without the music, but uh, this is out in theaters. If you're curious, feel free to check it or wait at home once it comes out on VOD, which shouldn't be too long from now. Uh, But one that is getting a limited release in theaters. We were really excited to see it at some festivals. I believe it played at TIFF. It was at different places. Broker. Uh, Hirokazu Kuriata made a movie years ago that I hunted down and absolutely loved. It is called Like Father, Like Son. If you can find this movie. Please watch it. Like, I look at my score and I'm like, hell yeah, I didn't like it that much. Yeah. Since 2013, my man's been making the same movie over and over and over, and I do not mind. Hey, uh, if, if it ain't con- broke, don't fix it. If it ain't broker, don't fix it. <laughs> Honestly, Shoplifters was a great movie from a couple of years ago, like right before the pandemic, right? 2018. Fantastic little film. Got to see it at the IFC Center. Broker did not get to catch it in the theater, but damn, if I could, I would. I highly recommend leaving the house for this. Zach, talk a little bit about Broker because we had the privilege to be able to get uh, a link from Neon. So yeah, I was excited so to jump to into Neon. it. Neon, yeah. So Broker, as, as you mentioned, the new Corey Edda film. It is about a couple of men who work at a baby box drop, a place Mm -hmm. for women to anonymously drop off their unwanted babies if they feel they no longer can care for them. And these men who then accept the babies are brokers to then sell these children to couples who want to have children outside of the adoption process. And while that sounds like a very shady start to the story, if you are familiar with those films that aren't mentioned, like Father Like Son, Shoplifters, you know that Corey Edda loves to take like a a look at like potentially sinister people and see how they kind of form a family along the way. Uh, and the the Older. way that this movie just sort of like takes a dire situation and somehow makes it this like really heartwarming, sweet drama it is some, this very bizarre kind of uh, walking of a tightrope in morality that has this strange effect, this strange, just really pleasing and, and like I said, heartwarming effect by its end. It's very emotional. It's very sweet. Uh, the kind of movie that makes you really think about like what family is and should be. And that he does it from these strange premises is just such a credit to to him as a filmmaker. He creates these very tender moments between the characters, like the car wash that just sort of like are, are these moments that evoke the, the magic and beauty of life. And it also helps that you have uh, Song Kang Ho, who delivers so much pathos and carries the weight of like a life of regret on his shoulders throughout this movie. It, it's so... It's so tender and beautiful. Um, I, I think it's such a great movie. I don't think I liked it more than either like Father Like Son or Shoplifters, but those are strong movies to compare something to. Yeah. I almost feel bad doing that because it's like, it's so good. It's unfair to it. But like you said, you had mentioned the car wash scene. That's a beautiful scene. I'm going to mention the wheel, uh, the, I'm blanking on it. What's it called? Ferris wheel scene. That, oh yeah, that scene Man, I was going to end the year in tears with that scene. Yeah. Uh, I highly, oh. highly recommend this movie. Everything that Zach said, uh, I tribute as well, because only a director like this can make a movie that's damn near about human trafficking. And you feel sympathetic for every single person involved. And there are characters who appear well into the third act of the movie. You have just, like the the kid who's the, the stowaway, uh, the way that the relationships even evolve and change within them. They're 
completely different people by the end of it. I highly recommend this movie if you have the chance to watch it. I know uh, Music Box, I believe, Nearest is getting it. It should be playing in New York. Uh, the more that it rolls out, hopefully more people are able to catch it. And with it being a neon movie, um, I'm curious mm-hmm. if they're going to uh, release it on Hulu because I believe that's still who they have their streaming deal with. But yeah, nonetheless, Eventually. keep an eye out for Broker. It's one of the best ones. And while you're waiting for it, watch all of his other movies because they're definitely worth it. So Absolutely. big recommendation Devesh- from both of us. Devesh brings up an interesting question in the live stream because uh, while this is a renowned film from a renowned filmmaker, it did not ultimately get uh, the submission from Korea for Best International Feature. That went to Chanwick Park's decision to leave. So are you are you okay with that decision of going with this, decision bro. to leave? Or oh. it's I, I mean, really, the problem is they shouldn't limit a country to one movie. That's that's the root the of the R- problem. Do the RRR thing. India said no. They said okay. We're still we're still going to do it. Yeah, that kind of sucks. It, it always brings us back to one of the big ones, uh, 2019 with France, where they didn't do Portrait, and it makes you think like Portrait, the one who's inside and sound now. But we look back mm-hmm. and it's like no, Let Miss Rob from that year was fantastic as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, look, I'm probably fresh off of it. Emotionally, Broker hit me way more than Decision to Leave, but Decision mm. to Leave is a technical masterpiece that I, yeah. we will be breaking down for years. To, like, you got to learn the languages, both languages in Decision to really understand mm-hmm. that movie. So I won't decide there, but I just want to show my love to Broker. Decision is a great movie, though. <laughs> no yeah, way you Decision's don't. Decision's really good. Submit that. I, I think I, I narrowly go Decision, but it's not an easy decision. It's not an easy one. Happily to not make, not be the one who has to make that one. Yes. Uh, but I yes. am the one who has to break this one for you. While, while Broker is a movie you should go out to theaters to watch, there's a movie about theaters that you should not go out to theaters to watch. Empire Ugh. of Light. Zach had a couple of words to say about this coming out of TIFF. I was ready to see this in Chicago, and I'm like, Zach, should I drop the 35 per ticket? He said no. So I waited, and you know what? The people at Searchlight were kind enough to send yeah. it our way. Uh, you know, they, they work with Disney, so technically it's like through their debut thing. Uh, and I wish I was kind enough to say nicer things about it. Here's the thing. <laughs> Y'all braced me for it. So I already knew that it was going to be this mesh of who knows what. I have never seen a script written by a professional, someone who's been around for so long, who looked back at his career and said, what are the things I haven't covered? Mental health, I guess, to this degree, and (laughs) racism in the UK. Um, And also, like, it's the pandemic right now, and, like, I feel like movies aren't going to come, so I'm going to do what all of my other peers are doing and write this love letter to movies. He should have just chosen one. This is covering things that are way out of his field, uh, and I don't understand it. Olivia Coleman is great in it. But I don't know what they were really trying to say with her character that something like The yeah. Lost Daughter didn't have like a complete eye on what its focus was. It flips mm-hmm. between Olivia Coleman, who is this employee who's been working at this theater for a long time and the relationships that she has there, how she's been used, who she may have been used. Is it a cycle? Then there's somebody else who comes in to join uh, the team, which is this young fellow right here. And because of the time period in the UK, you have a lot of animosity that's going on in the streets. Mm-hmm. It, it's like someone telling you, yeah, this is what it like used to be like, but it doesn't really give you a vivid picture. And then randomly yeah. it'll stop to describe to you what light is in, in movies. And there's like a lot. There's like 30 minutes of this movie that's beautiful because it's shot by Roger mm-hmm. Deakins. Then there's shots in this movie where you're like, y'all have never really shot a black man on screen. And you could tell because they could just they just couldn't. And it made me wonder, was this just an exercise for them? I was so confused from this movie, Zach. You've had some time to ruminate with this. What stood out to you? What should he have focused on to have made this better? 
I mean, I don't know. It, it's it, like you say, there are so many kind of disparate elements competing for attention, and none of them seems to really be given it their due. Uh, it, it all of it, it just sort of, it's like not enough there to justify going into it. And you know, maybe it is three different movies, and and the solution is. is like you just gotta go into one of them or maybe two of them, but not all of it. And, and yeah, it just like. It, I, I do like the idea of these outsiders coming together at this movie theater. Like that, that is romantic and beautiful, and is something, something that I think Sam Mendes and Roger Deakins could probably evoke really well. There is that shot of Olivia Coleman watching the movie and and being moved, and it being this beautiful experience for her. It comes in, in entirely the wrong part of the film. It happens when you've already gotten through all the things that are ch- like it. It's just. I think it brings that stuff in too late for it to really affect any of the other things that they've brought up. And it ends ju- ends up just feeling like a weird mishmash of ideas. And like you said, like Olivia Coleman is a great actress. I liked Michael Ward, even though I didn't like his character. I think he's quite charming as well. Uh, Toby Jones has like a scene or two that Always great. Is, are excellent. I love Toby Jones, but like their, their performances and cinematography and production design in search of a better movie. Best way to put it. I agree with you. Yeah. This, it, hopefully, hopefully uh, everybody in here uh, has a better 2023 than they did here. But some really great montage sequences. If you needed some B-roll of some really good movies and movies, then that's what this movie's mm-hmm. for right here. Uh, Empire Tyler Line, on I film. Say, wait for it when it's on HBO. Yeah, Tyler of Film on the live stream asks, do you think this still has potential to snap a few Oscar nominations despite the lukewarm reviews? And I, I honestly think this movie's not really like there's nah. it's just not quite strong enough in any one area to justify nominating it when the rest of the movie around yeah. is not good. So I would exactly. be surprised. And if it was, then maybe we would have heard something for cinematography. But no. Yeah. That said, though, Zach, you feel that way about Empire. But there's another movie that's gotten very, 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 very lukewarm reviews. And with it being split down 50%, I'm at least, I don't know how you're still feeling about yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, let's I'm call it mixed. fighting for it. It is let's very call it mixed, mixed because it, uh, it lukewarm, I think, implies like down the middle. And it's either you love this thing or you fucking hate it from what I've, whatever, whatever, what I've heard from people. Baby I'm still, I'm still Team Chazelle. I am too. But I've never seen a movie that's about telling directors, hey, maybe you should get a no once in a while. And everyone's review for it is <laughs> Damien Chazelle. You should have gotten a big old no from this. I will actually shout out one of our inner cuties. Uh, Magnitude Reviews had one of the best breakdowns of this when he marked it. I know he hated it, but at least he made me chuckle <laughs> off of this. Uh, I don't even see his review on here unless it was Josh. Someone no, it was said, Magnitude. It was magnitude, dude. Magn- he was. What did he say? Brady went. You're so used to. Oh, he's right there. My bad. L- l- let me read his words exactly. Brady went. You've heard. You remember when fans on Twitter prayed for a four-hour Snyder cut instead of a Chazelle cut? The film needs a two-hour studio cut. I swear, <laughs> we are going to be in an era where we're gonna have to like beg for the theatrical cuts now. And right. you know who understands that? Directors like James Cameron. Directors like uh. uh Peter Jackson. They know that the extended mm-hmm. cuts come after. You need the theatrical right. to hook people in, and then those nerds want more. 
man, he nerded out and he said, nah, I'm a full nerd and I want the entire three hour cut. Yeah. Is it a lot? Yes. There's never been a movie where the bad reviews sound just like the good reviews. <laughs> yep. Yep. I've seen people like say all these things to dismiss it. And it's just been like them highlighting the things I loved about it. Yes. And then someone praises it and they go, that sounds like the most disgusting movie. I don't yep. want to see it. Um, look, <clears throat> it is. Everyone's been describing it from Wolf of Wall Street to uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It's all of these different variations, but I think it very much it, it's way nerdier to that aspect. Like mm-hmm. it, it, it's so set in the what 1930s that it's not necessarily the 70s or the 50s that a lot of people have gone back to. It's an era in time where it's like no one's really reminiscing that period and hearing Justin Hurwitz who's Damien Chazelle's like right hand man these two went to college together he's been doing all yeah. of his music since this dude claimed that he was writing the script alongside with him and so uh, having done the music for Whiplash y'all know his sound from La La Land you're definitely mm-hmm. going to hear his sound here as well Zach made a good compilation of it um, the way he described that was interesting because I think all of us when we heard that bit were like this is my G this is La La Land uh, yeah at three hours Zach my question for you is do you still not love the score and do you not think that it should be up and eligible for awards if it's three hours oh, I, long? I love the score. I mean, yeah, you're reusing a little bit of that La La Land soundtrack, but Voodoo Mama is, as far as I know, entirely original and just Many like themed, constantly playing on a loop in my head as I like try to navigate all my errands now. Uh, yeah. It's it's If it's not the most distinct and memorable score of last year, then I'm really not sure what is. Uh, and it's got so much energy. It's so, I don't know. I, I do really like what he's doing, even though there is some of that like recycling of stuff that maybe distracted me during the movie. It's still kind of cool. It's cool. I'm telling you, he's homage yeah. to the greats. And if the greats just so happen to be him, so be it. I did like so how he broke it, it down. The 1930s had like a specific sound of jazz. And he's like, we're mm. not doing the 30s. We're doing everything that came before it. And everything that came after. And if you know the crazy ending yeah. to this movie, you know that that's what they were going for. They were just seeing, Absolutely. as Zach has put it, that period in time with the change. That, that's been a thing that I've noticed a lot, too. A lot of people who don't like this movie are upset about the, the accuracy. A- a- yeah, and the acronistic elements in it from some of the music to some of the outfits. Yeah, and I think it is a little bit of a pastiche and a blending of different styles and stuff. It's not necessarily like here is the 1920s and the 1930s exactly as they happened. It's here's like the fun Wolf of Wall Street 1920s cinema. Hey, and I got you on that one because he literally said he practically let it slip. You know you love that trailer for the Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah. He said that's where he got the drum beats. None of those drum beats were ever in the 1930s and wouldn't come for years to come. Mm-hmm. So that whole do 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 boom 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 boom. Yeah, he's got mm-hmm. some yay in there. So to take that with the old, that's why it's got this insane sound that he's like fusing fusing together. And I think that works for the movie because I think a, a big part of the movie that a lot of people have hated is I've seen people still in the year 2023 get upset for depictions in movies. That are just depicting something, not endorsing it. And I think this is one of those mm-hmm. movies where I think it gets into the heart of a lot of the, the the people who are in the industry who put their blood, sweat, and tears into it and may feel like they're not loved but still have pieces of them that add to the pantheon of what is the history of movie making. And I don't know. I'm yeah. excited to watch this again. Uh, dive deeper into it. I, like you, have had the score playing in the background. You put that on? Yeah. Your dishes are going to be done in like five minutes. But yeah. Um, I'm still Team Chazelle. I've been loving listening to the interviews. And maybe 
it's too much to sit for three hours in a theater. But I do implore you to catch it at some point it, uh, just because I think there's a lot of interesting performances. It is a bit exhausting. Like, I will give the detractors that. I think by that, like, third hour, there's a little bit of, like, all right, like, here we go again. Here's the Voodoo Mama score again. And I, it's also, like, less fun on the decline than it is on the incline, which, you know, that makes yes. sense, obviously, as the characters are are coming up in the world. You're, you're going to prefer to see that. Um even though I, I felt like some of that, some of that fl- fluff and padding maybe on its back half wasn't as necessary, it didn't make me not enjoy the experience. And I, I like that he's going for it. I like that he's giving you the mass maximalist idea. I mean, really, even that ending, it's just like Chazelle just loves this so much, and he's going to give you as much of it as he can. And talk about that. You tweeted that. When did when did we become stock stockholders? When, when were we <laughs> I at this hate, boardroom I, yeah. caring about the box office returns? I know. Y'all have never cared about this. You spend all it, this time belittling like, the Marvel numbers because you're like, we don't care about numbers. Now y'all mm-hmm. care about numbers? Exactly. You said it best, dude. Talk about it. Well, I mean, I, I'm going to borrow something from uh, James Gray here. It's like, when did everybody become shareholders in, in Comcast? You know, like, why are we rooting for some these billionaires to line their pockets like just be happy that they decided to pay for some filmmakers crazy dream that's all it should affect you not whether or not babylon made money like who who cares that it didn't make money you are going to be fine it'll cost you the same to buy a movie ticket as it will for a movie that made money you want him to succeed because when it comes to the director that you do care gets an unedited cut for their vision don't put down somebody else because then it's going to yeah, yeah. It's gonna come back to bite you. So I'm all for if someone got the money, that's all that matters. And I, I like that you brought up James Gray because I love the way that he put it at Con where he had said, who cares? It's an investment. You might not get it immediately away. But in like in yeah. time, the Godfather didn't make mad money, but it's the Godfather now, you know? It's like yeah. in time, it becomes a part of the culture. And his big thing is like we're not investing in the culture. Maybe, maybe Babylon yeah. ain't the culture, but I, I do think that it's commenting on a big point in time. Yeah. So. But look, Chazelle's given us Whiplash. He's given us La La Land, and he's even given us First Man, which is a lot of a lot of people think is maybe his what? best movie. He is owed a big swing like this after movies Thank like you. that. You, directors get yeah. get them only so often, and this was his. Why would his you shot. take it? Like, yeah. What the heck was Toby doing in there before we head out? Though, did you hear what this man's been saying? He is producer on this movie, so a lot of people have been confused. Like, why did you get him? He's like a big reason why this movie was made. Whatever mm. it is that he takes you on during that scene, he has claimed yeah, the seven was, circles of hell. Yeah, some life experiences that he's had. I'm like, Toby, what are you <laughs> talking about? He said he just went all out. They did not tell him I what mean, to do in that scene. He just went crazy. And it uh, is yeah. kind of amazing that they got the face of one of the most profitable franchise in Hollywood history for that part. On purpose, bro. On purpose. Has to be. He yeah. was just sick and tired of it. <laughs> Uh, Bully Maguire at it again Uh, again (laughs) I would see it in theaters but it is three hours maybe need to stretch at home Uh, another movie that is out getting into some quick uh, festival picks Corsage I'm a big fan of this movie it is out in limited release and I highly recommend it Uh, I had been talking about this being the uh, story of an empress who realizes she doesn't really want to be an empress anymore and I found an interview Mm -hmm. with Vicky that I thought was beautiful she talked about that she related to the character because to her everyone keeps calling her Alma Everyone keeps saying that girl Mm -hmm. from Phantom Thread and like she feels she's stuck to it and that that connection was like a really big part of her connecting with this character right here. Um, So I've been talking really great things about Corsage since I saw it in New York. 
I'm recommending it again. And that little line to me, she is Miss Vicky Crepes from now on. Uh, as much as I am one of those <laughs> who've been like, yeah, that's my girl, Alma yeah. from Phantom Thread. I I understood what she was saying and coming into this role. So Corsage, absolutely high, high recommendation for me. Uh, as well yeah. as Living. I don't know if you've had the chance to revisit this or have heard more about it. Not but since Sundance, our sleepy Bill Sundance screening of it. Yeah, Bill Nye came out of nowhere with this traction over here. For those of you who don't know, this premiered at Sundance, and it stars Bill Nye as, at some point, someone was saying he was a robot. But it is a <laughs> remake of the Kurosawa film um, about this guy learning to live. I'm going to leave it yeah. at that. It's a very big performance-heavy uh, movie that has had a late bloom right now. Bill Nye has been get, doing a pretty good run on some press runs. He's got some nominations there. I don't know if he might be a sleeper hit and and might steal one in the lead. I think there's too many. Yeah. Um, but I did think he, he did a good job, and I wouldn't be upset with it. Yeah, I mean, this is Sony Pictures Classics, and they tend to slow play their Oscar movies. The Father, okay, very memorably. I forgot it was them. Okay. Yeah, okay, it makes sense. The now. Father, very memorably, was like hard to see before like February or March of that year that it won a couple makes Oscars, sense. but they know how to campaign their older leading actors. So I, I would not be surprised yes, to do. still be Bill Nye get a slot. Yeah. It's a pretty good movie. So uh, if you get that one, make sure you uh, add it to your radar. Uh, but with that, we're going to take a little break here to talk about some housekeeping that we got for 2023 yeah. Intercut. Y'all saw the trailer. Zach, break down all the good stuff we got coming up. <laughs> Well, we got a lot of fun stuff to show the inner cuties this year on uh, on our channel. You saw the trailer, which hopefully, like, if you haven't been catching all that we do or you maybe haven't been uh, catching us every week, a good reminder of all the stuff that we uh, have offered to, you know, from our movie brackets and our after credits reviews. Uh, we started doing some more interviews last year. I think we're going to get into that a little bit this year. So keep keep us uh, keep us in mind for all sorts of content. But also, you got us here every Monday for the weekend must watch. We'll be uh, keeping that up. We'll be keep going strong and uh, reminding you of all the stuff that comes up throughout the week. So it's good yes, to, sir. Uh, yeah. Uh, we're, we just want to refresh what everybody's ta- uh, what everybody's expectations are, uh, and also uh, point you towards a couple new things that we've added uh, to our you know content. I guess if you could, if you want to call yeah. it that channel building, we got the intercut clips channel still on YouTube. So we cover all these different movies here on weekend must watch. And maybe you don't want to sit through our hour long broadcasts every Monday, or maybe you just want to go back and just see what our thoughts were on glass onion back when we talked about them in Toronto. Well, we've got all got our you. reviews separated into little breakdowns here and there, uh, an easy way that. to, Look an at easy that. way to find all of our thoughts. Like, look at how many movies we cover here every single week. I'm going back. This is still three weeks ago. And there's just more and more reviews. So if you are having trouble finding one of our reviews, the Intercut, Intercut Clips channel is a good place to find it. It's also a place where you can find all the shorts that we've been working on. Uh, just little clips, little highlights of the different reviews we've got. We're posting them on YouTube shorts to the Intercut Clips channel. We're posting them to our Instagram on Reels. We're posting them to the new Intercut TikTok channel because we got a TikTok channel. Got to get uh, with it. 
so yeah, there's a lot of ways to enjoy the Intercut podcast aside from these weekend must-watch Monday streams. Uh, check out all the short content. Check out some of our longer content as well, uh, whether that's those movie brackets that we mentioned, our after credit spoiler reviews, uh, which we've done a couple of recently, and all the other great hits here on Intercut. I know a lot of you checked out our best movies of the year and our best TV of the year episodes Woo! with Amanda the Jedi. Those are always a lot of fun to do. Art, how you feeling now that we put out our, our list? Are you are you regretting any picks? Are you are you just upset that we couldn't do top twenties? What's going on? Next year I'm doing top twenty twenty three. Uh, you do, yeah. there's always gonna be movies, right? Look, I'm a person yeah. who do, who believes that anyone who says that they don't have any regrets in life is a liar. That's not a way to look at life. You're always going to have some things that appear. If there weren't any more good movies then sure, I'd be solidified. But we don't live in that world, and I don't want to live in that world. Since we made that list, dude, I've been catching some international films, uh, some under-the-radar films that uh, I wasn't able to catch earlier on in the year, and there is so many good stuff. But I'm still proud of the list that we put up, uh, and I'll be adding a lot more for an upcoming video that we're going to be doing for all of our hidden gems, where I'll be adding a lot of those. Uh, a lot of them, really what it is, is that they're international films that just aren't available. So it's like I can't even put it on a list because no one's going to mm -hmm. have access to it, and that's probably the most difficult yeah. thing. But I know that's why on a weekly basis when we cover the weekend must-watch here, uh, it's easier to just catch the last one, right? <laughs> you don't mm -hmm. need to catch 52 shows, but you can catch the one show that's going to have them all. And I think that's why that's always the biggest one that the intercuities look for. But look, the weekend must-watch is super simple because... I put my list together by just taking every single one of these episodes and taking all the good from all 52 weeks. And it was the easiest way to make a list. And yeah. I've heard some, uh, uh, some of the interview saying, this is all I need to build a watch list. And now I know what to watch, what not to watch. So we appreciate y'all for watching. Uh, yeah. Thank you for catching the, the TV one, the movies one. Like we said, we got a bunch of brackets that are coming out, but um, it's crazy that I'm, I'm prepping our Sundance list, right? Cause it's in two weeks. We have yeah. that video out two as weeks. well for you guys Get to catch ready. up on that. And, and um, individual tickets are out next Tuesday. So for those Tuesday of you who are for the members, but next okay, okay. Friday, I don't even know. Just keep up next to it. week. We had all next those dates on the yeah. It's next week, uh, depending on what package you have. But like, we're setting up for 2023, and I still feel like I have 50 movies I gotta catch for 2022, yeah. man. Uh. Um. So yeah, to answer your question, it never ends. But we have a solid list, and the 10 that we all gave, I know, are movies that if we were stuck in an island. We'd call somebody to come pick us up or at least be on the island and watch those movies with us because they're some of the best of the year. So uh, I'm excited to cover this next year of stuff and continuing with some extra movies on streaming. Uh, that was yeah. all the stuff that we had, right? Do we have some other? Well, we have some no, I mean, upcoming we will things have we're going to do with membership. Yeah. Yes, we will announce more stuff next up. week. Yes. So a lot of fun stuff still coming. Mm -hmm. Intro that's coming. Phineas isn't doing the music. But no, unfortunately, he just likes see. our TikToks. <laughs> Uh, we got Moving two quick comments uh, questions. Oh, you got shoot. Yeah, let's do quick two quick questions. Uh, Hassan Abi Agit Prop asked us, "Are you guys excited for The Last of Us? That might be the show Opera. for this year that I'm most. Ex I guess maybe Succession's coming back too. But man, we got like what is it two weeks until The Last of Us now? Sundance is getting in the way, my G. I know. <laughs> uh, we better, I just I, I gotta see if they'll send us those screeners so we can." not be distracted during the festival there is no there's there's no press contact for this it is unavailable no they uh, are not no. doing this they're like you just show up on that sunday whatever it is zach i downloaded part one the hd remastered edition that just came out two months ago the yeah. last of us was the reason i bought a playstation 3 
The Last of Us was the reason Alina bought me a PlayStation 3. Uh, and then the PS4 came out. The PS5 came out. I am playing this remastered version leading up to yep. the 15th. Uh, it is one of my favorite games of all freaking time, man. <laughs> I have a lot riding on the show. I'm concerned. I'm worried. But I'm also excited as can be. Uh, I think that's going to be one of the first things that we want to cover here on Intercut on a weekly basis. But also yeah. uh, with our shorts. I created a shorts channel for the rewind and playing the video game. I want to start doing kind of like recap episodes, like a previously on minute recaps leading up to it. So that's going to be the first show that I'm trying it on. So yes, I'm nice. excited. I'm very excited. Yeah. We are definitely going to talk about the last of us a lot on this show. I think we both have a lot of uh, fondness and, and good memories awesome. of the game. So uh, I, I'm, I'm excited for it. I feel like they're handling well so far. I trust the talent they assembled behind it. So Same. I'm just excited at this point. Uh, and then our other question is mentioning, uh, if we got if we heard that Netflix canceled 1899 a huge surprise oh. considering that they put a lot of money behind it it's a big international cast but okay. it did not really seem to catch on as much as it? a show like Dark did granted I think Dark caught on partially because it had time to get into people's consciousness mm-hmm. what do you think about so Netflix pulling the plug so early on 1899 it's almost like there's something else happening behind the scenes, Zach. Have you heard? Ooh, ooh, ooh. There is this whole backstory, if you Google it, about 1899 being a script that was kind of jacked from a Brazilian graphic novel. Now, I've heard both sides of this, right? Because it spoiled the show for me because I had to catch the graphic novel to see what the comparisons were. It's similar. Very similar. And it turns out that it was under the same pipeline as well, where Netflix definitely did see it. It's like one of those where it was clearly in the hands of people who would have been working on the show. And for them to cancel it, I don't know, it kind of seems suspicious. I already thought it was suspicious when I tried to mm-hmm. see people who were defending it, right? Saying, no, 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 1899 is original. And they all worked for Netflix. Uh, there's a lot of YouTubers, bro, who like make videos and pretend like they're not on the Netflix Film Club channel making videos. And then they like right. come to defend a show and it's like, are you being like, <laughs> there's like a dozen shows that come out. You never defend them. What is this campaign to defend it? Um, I love the people who made Dark. I do I do wish this would have had time to grow. Uh, I thought it was a pretty good series. Canceling yeah. it, even though you already like knew that they gave you a success before, makes me wonder, is this you admitting to the guilt and nipping it in the bud? Because it, it, yeah. Yeah. everything about that it's, situation it's, felt like they were guilty. It's either that or this show is just like extremely, extremely expensive given its international cast and some of the technology cast, that yeah. goes into it. But it's it doesn't really feel like it's any more expensive than the many Thank you. Ryan Murphy and Shonda Rhimes shows in development. So, yeah, it do, maybe there is some something else motivating those decisions. We'll see with that. But any other questions? So, uh, no, I think we could get back into the streaming. Sounds good. Uh, we got some streaming premieres that came out this week. Uh, and they're not necessarily festival ones, but nonetheless, they were pretty big in the sphere. Let me see if I can open this one up over here. A couple from Hulu that appeared. And the first one that we have is Mac and Rita, a movie that yeah. I just completely dismissed. Mm-hmm. Then I caught it. I didn't think it was the worst, right? Yeah, it's fine. It's cute. It's not great, but no. I heard a lot of people dismissing this. Uh, my story for this is I remember this came out in the theater. It was Thursday. And before Wednesday of the of the following week, I took screenshots. The entire Chicagoland area had kicked this movie out. It was no longer in <laughs> theaters at all. 
It ended up on VOD damn near four weeks after it had premiered. I caught it. It was fine. It was a cute little movie trying to do a little switch of uh, uh, a, a younger person becoming older. I primarily went into it because uh, I thought the Freaky Friday gimmick was kind of interesting, but for Taylor Page. I thought Taylor Page was good in this. She's innocent. But Zach, you caught the movie over on Hulu now that it's streaming there. Would you recommend it? Uh, you know, I think it's an easy recommendation for like the older ladies in your life or maybe like any kind of old soul who can relate to the idea of wanting to stay in rather than go to boozy brunch. Uh, Makes sense. Th- there is... You know, there is like a gentleness to the movie that I think I appreciated. I think a lot of body switch comedies, they they tend to get their tension and their dramatic stakes from really either boring or highly manufactured uh, plot tension. It's like, oh, if I can't show up to this thing by such and such time, they'll not hate me forever or whatever. And and there's a little bit of that in this, but not much of it. It's mostly just like watch her appreciate how nice it is to be an older lady and how your life isn't over when you're older. And yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a little bit sparse in on jokes for a comedy, but it also has all these actors who are just very fun and charismatic uh, beyond Diane Keaton in the lead and Taylor Page as her younger friend, as you mentioned. You know, it's got uh, Loretta Devine in a fun role and all the whole group of older women are all like that guy, that woman type of like, I recognize her from that thing. Um, You know, my guy, um, my guy Simon Rex shows up in a small role. Our girl Patty Harrison is very funny in this uh, and I think it's, you know, pleasant enough. It's an easy Sunday afternoon kind of watch uh, that doesn't necessarily need all your attention. Yep. That's out on Hulu alongside another one that is, I know, really cringy. We caught it at Sundance. Everyone was uncomfortable in the Harry Potter room, screening room when we yeah. saw this. But it is the new uh, Lena Dunham, right? Lena Dunham movie, yeah. who I guess I was already expecting for it to be. Like not that good, uh, or or not not that it's not that good, not that. Mm-hmm. Uh, how would I say? I, I'm at a loss for words for this. It's not even loading over here. Yeah. But uh, Sharpstick, it's a new movie that's out on Hulu. I don't know why this is not loading. This new movie has Lena Dunham in the role of a mother who's married to John Bernthal, but we follow yeah. Christine Force Froseth. Froseth. Yeah. No, it's not Christine, bro. It's, uh, what's her name? No. No. It, wait, is it Christine? I think so. Yeah, I guess you're right, bro. I was blanking on it. I thought she was, uh, what's her name from Sia? Sia's music? I don't know why I was oh, confusing her with Maddie that. Maddie Ziegler? <laughs> the entire time. Okay. She's the one from Looking for Alaska. Blow up the pipeline. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. She plays uh, a full-grown woman, and I think it's because a lot of people assume she was like 17 or mm. something, but she is in her 20s. She's just helping someone who uh, is on the spectrum. And because of that, she is also deemed kind of like not as mature for her age, but then ends up exploring the sexual relationship with John Bernthal's character, who's married to Lena Dunham. It is a very awkward, cringy movie because Mm -hmm. it's covering awkward, cringy things. This is not up to the level of something like, uh, I don't know if you remember Diary of a Teenage Girl. That is the epitome of what this movie wants to be. This isn't that, but I didn't hate it like a lot of people have. So I, it's on yeah. streaming. If you're curious in it, I, I thought it got into those layers of what it's 
I mean, I'm not a 20-year-old girl who's been repressed, but yeah. I felt it got into that dynamic of what she was going through, um, and I didn't think it was that bad. But if you wanted the more PG version or the more PG movie that Lena Dunham came out this year, Catherine Birdie, whatever that movie was called, that's on Prime, but yeah. Sharp's like wasn't that bad. And maybe if you enjoyed it at the cover of your own home alone, you may be able to appreciate it a little bit more. Yeah, or there's some, like, there's some, like, three-star movies that are just very down the middle. There's not, like, a lot that's exciting about them, and there's not a lot that's bad about them. This is not that. There's a lot that's, like, pretty bad about this movie. I thought a lot of the stuff around Lena Dunham's character specifically, like, did not work for me. But I, I do like a lot of the delayed adolescence, arrested development kind of thing that Christine Froseth is going through and her having a kind of like a, a, a maturity awakening through her sexual awakening. It, I thought it was kind of interesting and, and there's some really fun kind of cringy scenes. Parts of it worked for me, but yeah, I think the majority maybe doesn't, uh, but not, yeah. not so much so that it's a like, it's a non-recommend to me. It's just a, mm -hmm. it's like a light recommend to the right audience, I think. Yep. And it's on Hulu. So what better place to catch it? Catch the trailer if it interests you. I think it's worth the shot. Last one really quick here from last year, Mass. It's on Hoopla. So in case you didn't get to see this movie, I know Zach very much recommended this one uh, for its dialogue, its performances. It is out on Hoopla, so you can catch it for free. And I believe it's also still sitting Definitely. on Hulu. So three Hulu recommendations there uh, to get you back on it. But we continue with the new ones, and they are also streaming premieres. Glass, Onion, Zach, question for you. Yes. Is it possible to catch Glass Onion and it be more accessible than it being only a week in theaters? I mean, there's memes everywhere, which is how Whoa. I judge whether or not a movie is successful <laughs> is by by how many Twitter accounts go viral off of it, which is why oh. Morbius was the last year last year's highest grossing movie, right? It makes no sense, right? bro. I, I even heard someone saying that about Avatar, that Avatar is a great movie mm -hmm. and you could tell because there's no memes. Not only were there memes, but th the p person who had posted that had Breaking Bad memes. <laughs> Y'all are not staying consistent with it. Glass yeah. Onion is out on Netflix now, and it turns out that a lot of people don't like accessibility. It turns mm. out that when you give it to a wide audience, some people may have bad opinions. And look, dear Lord, were there bad opinions. But when you open it up to the public, that's what's going to happen. It's like someone expecting a lot of views, but they're not wanting bad comments. It's going to come with it. And, and that's, I think, where you really realize who are the gatekeepers or not, who wants it just for themselves. But I'm glad mm. that it's out available for people to catch because with that comes so many screenshots, memes, clues, all of these different things that we've been looking into. And, uh, yo, my rewatch, I think, is, was, was even better than the first one because it is a movie meant for you to watch it again. It's beautiful. Yeah. Um, I, I, on, uh, oddly, I'd say my rewatch maybe lowered my estimation of it just a slight bit, just a slight bit. And we Whoa. can maybe get into that a little bit more when we eventually do we will. a fuller okay, glass better. onion reaction. I, have two things. I had two yellow yeah. cards on him. I, I was like a referee right. in the world cup. I was like, <laughs> ah, you messed up there. Boom. But it's still but fun. Like it's, I like the puzzle yeah. piece that it is. Absolutely. There's still so much it's enjoyable there. I think my second watch of it made me think that I liked the first film more as a drama, but the second one more as a comedy. Because there is a lot of just very fun gags and fun moments and fun performances. Um, and, and it's the thing that 
kind of lends itself really well to being memed and being screenshotted and, and being iterated on in a way that I don't know yep. if something like Avatar, which is more sincere and is more based on those like visuals that are different at home and in the theater, especially like on a cam version then uh, as opposed to the 4K quality Netflix gives you for Glass Onion. Yep. It, I, like I understand why these films have a different resonance in the culture. I do think it's been interesting to watch, though, how big of a hit this is for Netflix while simultaneously Avatar cleaning up at the box office, up another 6% this weekend. Uh, and Zero maybe that could have been Glass Onion's fate. Insane. <laughs> yeah, insane. It's crazy. Take that, bro. Marvel. Oh, my goodness. But uh, we will be going full spoilers for Glass Onion very, very soon. So keep an eye out for that. I'm curious to hear everyone's theories, things that they've caught. I personally went back and watched all of his influences from The Last of Sheila. I saw Clue for the first time. Yo, Clue is a funny movie, dude. I loved Clue. Uh, I yeah. saw Sleuth, a bunch of little detective ones to catch uh, a lot of the Easter eggs that he had in this movie. So we'll be we'll be getting into more spoilers later. But Glass Onion out on Netflix. And guess what? It's easier to catch than ever. Another one that we caught at New York, and I know Zach absolutely loved. What are your your 11th mm. watch on this, Zach? <laughs> Only three, but there's always room for more. Another one that is out and has caused a lot of people who have read the book to still say, hey, this ain't no good. I am now convinced, and I found a copy of it. I will be reading the book because I've heard so many great things. And I, I can't argue with someone who's read it. Yeah. And then sees a movie that probably didn't cover the aspect that they wanted. I probably would be mad, too. Mm-hmm. But I haven't read the book, so I'm judging this <laughs> off of none of that, and it's mm-hmm. fun. I liked it. Yeah, uh, I know some people who haven't read it either. They also don't don't vibe with it, so I'm not saying like separate yourself from the book. But uh, from the watches that I've had for it, I think it's a hilarious movie that's able to get into just the the little nuances of being in a scenario where two things can be right at the same time. And I think the whole mm-hmm. movie is built up on that. Uh, I know you've caught it multiple times, and and you really enjoyed it. You haven't read the book though, right? Yeah. I haven't read the book, although I did start it after watching the movie because I I thought it was good and I've heard so many great responses to the book. And I am curious, like you said, there are a lot of people who have this allegiance to the book that feel like he didn't quite do the adaptation Right. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's got this reputation for being this impossible to adapt book. And I have a lot of empathy for like that, uh, that that undertaking. Right. Like you can't you can't perfectly replicate a book in a separate, in a visual medium. You have to translate things and it will inevitably change what happens. And I think what Bombach changed this into is a film that's overstuffed with ideas and it's a little bit circuitous in its path to its ending. But so many of the things it covers are so interesting that there's all this like highly intellectual stuff going on, but also this deep silliness throughout that I really, really responded to. I think this is perhaps Bombach's funniest movie yet. Yeah. And... I, I don't know. It just sort of, I think all the things that it put in there, even if they don't necessarily feel like ingredients that mix together well, they're all ingredients that I really like. So I'm at a point where I just, I like all the individual little pieces so much that I think I really love this movie. Even if I know that it, the experience of it as a movie is going to be impenetrable and and complex for a lot of people. And that's not my way of being like, oh, you just didn't get it. That's that's me trying to say, like, this isn't a film that, like, lends itself to be watched easily. Uh, but if, you, if you want to respond to the things in it, there's a lot to respond to. 
it's just you and me on this one, bro. I feel like every everybody didn't like it, and I feel it's what you said. The intellectual parts of it are hidden in the back to many, and they feel that it's just a silly movie. Mm-hmm. I think it still has those moments. Yeah. But I also it's, really it's, like the silliness of it. Allow him yeah. to be silly. He, he just came off a marriage story. I can see why he went the complete opposite. It sucks that it just so yeah. happened to be off of a book that some of y'all probably wanted adapted differently. But yeah, no, I, I, mean, know, I like really like ultimately it. it. Ultimately, the way that it explores explores these existential ideas and the these uh, fears we have about our existence and the potential for it to end, and the ways in which America and pop culture has provided us with cheap coping mechanisms yes. through chemically products produced foods and stuff. Store, I, I yeah. just think there's a. It's really f- clever and fun. There's and stuff I don't know. I can. There. Yeah, yeah. There's meat on the boat. We might need sure. an after credits. We might need an after yeah. credits. We'll have to. We'll, we're going to go read the book. We'll come back. We come back hating it. We, we got a lower rating <laughs> after the book. <laughs> but there's some stuff we exactly. like because I think you and I also really like what Greta's doing in this movie. I, she hit a wavelength, I think, for you and I. We're just yeah. vibing with that. And, it, yeah, and every, that's not, that's, you either find it funny or you don't. Yeah. Every single line in this movie, she delivers it as if she's just been woken up from a nap. And I think it's so funny. Uh, I'm excited great. to uh, catch this one he, again. She's great. Driver's uh, the, great. We'll, we'll come back with this one. Um, but yeah, keeping it yeah. with Netflix, I guess Netflix is the only streaming service out there. Roald yeah. Dahl's Matilda the Musical. As you know, yeah. uh, the Roald Dahl catalog sold for like, I don't know how many millions, and Netflix got to work. They got this at the beginning of the year, and they're ending this year with Wonka. Uh, Wonka's going to be coming out in December. But this is the first one uh, of their big Roald Dahl releases for this year. And as a big fan of the original Matilda, like freaking freaking love the original Matilda. I always like mention random scenes from it. Like, Oh, I'll be walking out with all these movies looking like Matilda off of the library. It was decent. It was fine. It doesn't touch <laughs> my original, but I'm yeah. not one who minds a new interpretation. And at least they took it as, uh, they took it as seriously as they could. I like the, uh, the choreography in it. Um, I think her parents, especially played by a Stephen Graham and Andrea Risborough really got like the tone of it. They may not be mm-hmm. as like, it's probably nostalgia, but you know, Danny DeVito, the way he was able to bring his like yeah. his weird charm to it. Uh, it doesn't match that, but they were really close to it. I think the uh, initial girl is really cool, but I figured what it was yeah. for me. I think the initial girl from the original one has this very overall country almost feel. And this new mm. girl has like a posh, I don't know. I, that I hear that. Sense. And that's maybe the that's only just difference. like, us being Americans, bring that into it. Yeah, that's what I think it is. So that's my only difference between the two. So that's a preference thing. They killed it with this movie when it came to dance sequences. I saw everybody sharing them. Yeah, yeah pop, lock, and drop, and they were doing everything that they needed to in this movie. They hit all of the beats. Um, I I did hear some criticism for our girl Nanny McPhee. I guess she's not allowed to get back <laughs> into the costume anymore after making yeah. Neil Grand. But I, she, I mean, she's she's been doing it. it She's been doing the fat suit thing more than Eddie Murphy at this point. Uh, yeah, kind of has. They didn't match the cake scene. The cake scene is still untouched from the original. No. I will say that. But yeah, uh, not, not only overall, that. Though, they think? didn't. Well, I mean, just to focus on the cake scene for a second, they didn't cast a fat kid to eat the cake, and they also didn't mm-hmm. cast a fat kid as Miss Tr- uh, Trunchbull or whatever uh, Emma Thompson's character is. Danny yeah. DeVito's not in. They removed all the fat people from Matilda, and st- yet they put the whole song in about that kid putting his fat ass to good use to eat the cake. 
like I don't know. They could find some chubby people to do this choreography too. That that's that's a side note. I'm I'm mixed Agreed. on this, and it's I, I'm mixed on this, and it's like a couple different things because like I. And on the one hand, I really appreciate how technically strong this is as a musical. Yeah. I think the, sequ- the the choreography is all really stylish and flashy, and it, uh, it has an energy to it. The, the musical numbers are really well produced and better produced than I feel like they are in most movie musicals. But I'm a bit sick of these, like, Broadway adaptations that basically exist to remind you of a pleasant feeling you had watching something 20 years ago. To me, it's like eating gluten-free desserts where it's like, yeah, this kind of tastes like chocolate. It's like, I don't know. Uh, It's it's not bad. It's just been streamlined in a way that I think robs it of a lot of the weird quirks and the eerie imagery or the offbeat performances. Like, I liked... I like Stephen Graham and Andrea Riseborough a lot as actors. They don't really have enough space to get the depth that Danny DeVito and Ray Perlman had in the 1996 Matilda. So it's too polished. Yeah, it's a little too polished, a little too easy, a little, a little too much. Like, oh, okay, some a big moment happens. Let's all break out in a choreographed routine. Um, it just it's like School it's, of it's, Rock. If they adapted it, yeah. If they adapted the exactly. Broadway version of School of Rock, they would never actually touch the movie School of Rock, and that's exactly the problem. They don't know how to let it, let the Broadwayness of it go to fully embrace the movie. It feels like you're at, at points just recording the the stage. So yeah, I agree with you. Yes. So I like. I don't know. I think it's like technically good. It's just that comparing it to what we have, there's all these things where I see the gaps that deterred my enjoyment or yeah. Um, and also just ca- cast fat people. If you're going to have fat characters, like it's not that big of a deal. So you heard it here first. Zach says not my Matilda, but if you are curious, it is out on Netflix. You can catch it right there. Uh, pretty good sound design, good costumes. And also yeah. uh, shout out Lashana Lynch. I do like Lashana Lynch a lot. I think she's great. Yeah. I think she's fantastic. And a lot of the stuff that she's in and uh, good casting. yeah, shout out her. She's really good. Uh, moving on to the last thing that we have here. You've watched Andrew, bro, right? You've seen him on YouTube. Yes. You've seen his start. Channel 5. You've seen his Instagram stuff. Hey, down in yeah. Bourbon Street, doing all these different things for all these years. I highly recommend going to YouTube. Uh, <clears throat> one of the last two that he did, he was here in Chicago, and he did a, a double one where he was here Chicago for the Rap local Fest, yeah. Thing. Yeah, looking for yeet. <laughs> And then uh, when, when he went to go visit O Block, this is a dude who is able to combine comedy with these uh, uh, man on the street interviews. But get like he doesn't make fun of people, which I feel a lot of man on the street people do. He is almost to the sense of Borat where he just allows them to showcase who they really are on these mics. Yes. But where yes. Borat, I think, kind of sets you up. He lets you be. And I think it comes from a more sympathetic approach where he's really mm-hmm. he stops those little man on the on the street interviews to kind of catch you up on something and make a point. I loved yeah. his press run for this. If you know HBO, HBO's partner for news is CNN. I highly, highly recommend going to go see him do this press run because he ended up on CNN, not just as a part mm-hmm. of the press run. But as I just said, it's HBO's kind of like sister company and he yeah. called them out and the cnn people could not take it and he goes why am i promoting the movie and then you're not going to let me say the message of the movie which is that <laughs> all of you guys have created this this is a movie that's leading mm-hmm. up to the january 6 riots but it's what it's discussing is how uh you have people who are getting indoctrinated to a degree that they're kind of pushing the other sides 
to become that. When one of the guys practically says we made $50,000 in merch, not off of our own fans, but when (laughs) the president, when somebody else said something bad about them, it makes you go like, yo, if you're trying to make a change, look at the board. And are you really just acting out of your own ego, your own pride? Or are you actually Mm -hmm. causing more harm than good? I know you like this one too, dude. Tell me. Yeah. I mean, I think that Andrew Callahan is doing a pretty unique thing in the news space right now and that like his style of documentary, as you mentioned, he's talking to regular people like he's not going and looking for the experts. He's not going and looking to get comments from all the politicians. He's on the ground and he'll go to these rallies and he'll go to these events and just hear what people are saying. And that's not like it sounds like it could be a megaphone for the worst in people. But instead, like you said, what he does is he allows people to reveal who they are. And some people reveal themselves to be uh, deep thinkers who are well-versed in what they're discussing. And some people reveal themselves to be absolutely crazed lunatics. And, And it's fun because he's able to show these things side by side in a way that feels true, right? Because a lot of our political discourse is bogged down in just this like screeching loud anger that doesn't really- It's who can be louder, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't really leave any room for middle ground. And he's really diagnosed the problem as the information being fed, dividing us further and further apart. And then you see like when, when you're actually forced to deal with- the other side, we don't have any ability to, to have that conversation. So I, I just think it's a really smartly um, assembled film. I like the way that he puts the pieces together. It's a huge shame that he caught COVID during this because I felt like it was leading to a a really, really cool place. (laughs) was COVID-19. There's a banger (laughs) of a line though. The banger Uh, of a line. He has some great ones in here, dude. It's, yeah, I highly recommend it. Uh, and also even just the intro. That, that intro. The intro is amazing. <laughs> Once you realize why the intro is there, that that's like a hair standing up on the back of your neck kind of thing. Yeah. It's so and good. And then the HBO guy telling him, like, why this intro? And he's like, yo, so, like, y'all giving me this doc? Let me do my thing, right? <laughs> highly recommend going to check out Channel 5. Uh, it's a YouTube show, dude. You could go catch all of this stuff, different things that he's done. He's on the street, and I think he does it unlike a lot of other people. He's he's doing good work. He's able to balance it very yeah. well, and I highly re- highly recommend the show um, or documentary. I'm glad I'm glad he was able to to hit it big with a big one. So, uh, Channel Five with Andrew Callahan and his documentary "This Place yeah. Is Real" produced is by Jonah Hill on HBO. I saw that. Yeah, makes sense. <laughs> yeah, I hope he's able to get more. Yeah, because because with a budget, he's able oh, to yeah. ele- elevate it to the next level. So I think they're uh, definitely on the rise right now. The Channel Five crew, easily. So shout out to him as we move on to the TV series. We got three little easy ones. Got two Netflix ones before we get to a Peacock one. Emily in Paris season three. Keeping it brief over here. Emily is still in Paris. And doing nothing, bro. This season (laughs) ends. Look, all I'm going to say is one thing. There's like a huge video out there about like Emily in Paris taking racism and making it quirky. So then it took three seasons for them to give her a black boyfriend. And then worse than that, they just treated him like a damn cardboard cutout. You might as well have not even gone there because they thought they were fixing (laughs) one of the biggest critiques that they had. And they only made it worse. (laughs) Emily in Paris season four coming out next year. Next one. You didn't catch Emily, right? No, no. I I exited that train very quickly. I I think even just from the title, I was like, nah, not for Zach. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, it's just, I know people are watching because they've either been to Paris 
because it's her, bro. She's adorable. She's just like she's beautiful. So people are just watching yeah. it and they don't really care what she's. She's a says, charming bro. Emily lady. in Paris. There you go. Background uh, background shot right there. Treason though is the new series that has come out yeah. since uh, he can't be doing some MCU stuff for Netflix. He decided, let's do some other shows for Netflix. It is a miniseries, if I'm not mistaken, that is following this guy who may or may not be uh, involved in some espionage. And uh, kind of by the numbers for me, uh, I was able to catch mm-hmm. the first two episodes of this. So this is my pilot review for it. Zach was able to catch one as well. I'm happy for him that he's able to expand out of it. But... The recruit that we covered a couple of weeks ago is still at the same level. While that one's a very unserious show, and this one's the more uh, by the numbers, still doesn't pass it up to me. They're interchangeable, and that's not a good thing when your show can't beat the Noah Centineo one. But you got one. I don't know <laughs> if it intrigued you or if you just think that it's another. Uh, yeah, I mean, it seems like a pretty competent spy one. show, but it does it does the thing where it kind of launches you right into espionage happening. So I, I feel like it's one of those shows where at least at first it feels like you're playing a lot of catch up just to be like, all right, mm-hmm. so this character is meant to be the chief and that character reports to that one, but that one doesn't like them because they, and, and like, so it's still not at a point where I feel like I have a grasp on the show. And to some people, they love getting in the weeds, that kind of thing and feeling like they're falling into the web of conspiracy. Uh, but it's, it's one that I feel like is maybe... Uh, didn't grab me as much as I would like to to be like pulled into the whole mystery of it. Same. But if uh, anyone's finished treason, I believe all the episodes are out there in Netflix fashion. So let us know. We'll finish up the series. But I hopped on a different one. Stopped mm. the episode three or whatever I was on on treason because I was like, hey, this isn't for me. <laughs> Zach put this thing on the radar for me. That's on Peacock. And I was like, what is this? I had seen it a little bit earlier. There's three episodes of this out. It's a uh, TV series, docu series, meta series. Yeah. Zach, tell me, you had Jonah Hill in the last last one. This is Seth Rogen producing <laughs> this. Whatever yeah, this Seth is, Seth Rogen, Seth Rogen, and Evan Goldberg produced it. But I found out about it because Nathan Fielder actually tweeted his own praise for it, which makes a lot of sense because this kind of feels like if the rehearsal <laughs> did true crime. Uh, Paul T. Goldman, a new Peacock mini docu-series created by Jason Walliner, who, speaking Uh earlier of Borat, he's the director of Borat's subsequent movie film. Uh, Now he Uh turns his attention to Miami or or, or Florida resident Paul T. Goldman, author of the book Duplicity. No, that's not the same as the George Clooney or or the Clive Owen Julia Roberts movie. It's a, a different duplicity. Uh, Paul is a man who has lived an interesting life, according to his story. He uh, married a woman who then tried to steal all of his money. And while he was dealing with that, he took down a crime ring. And Paul is going to tell you about it in this show where they're not only interviewing him, but filming the movie based on the script that Paul wrote about his life. And putting Paul as himself in the movie. It's it's got that like extremely meta quality and the way that they'll be in the middle of acting out a scene and then he'll turn to camera because he's just a regular guy and not an actor. It's so it's so funny and and kind of like breaking the form in ways that even, you know, even feel new coming off of a of a series like the rehearsal. Um it's just a very, very funny construction. I feel like uh, maybe it could have gotten to what happens at the end of episode three a little bit faster, 
but I'm super intrigued. Like now, now I need to know where this thing ends up because it's it's somewhere between Nathan for you and the Jinx. Um, I I'm. <laughs> It's a really, really interesting show. P- probably the best thing that I've seen on Peacock in about a year. Oh, uh, wow. But yeah. Art, yeah. Did you also find it to be a really, really unique piece of media? You keep recommending me these shows that make me uncomfortable, and I didn't think it could get worse <laughs> than the rehearsal, but damn, did this man do it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, content warning, because oh my goodness, the things that he tries to film, I started going... I started thinking this man doesn't even know anything. He just found a way to be able to film scenes that he wanted to film with women yeah. and people and go places that he wanted to. And I was like, this is uncalled for. But I agree with you with it being a Peacock release. They are scheduling it in a very good manner. Three yeah. episodes and then it's going to be on a weekly basis. And it seems to already have people hooked. So they have a good strategy for this. They're beginning the year off strong. And I told you two years ago, don't sleep on Peacock. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be big. And uh, this is a great start for it. Um, and I, I, I love the, the perspective of it so far, as much yeah. as it makes me squirm. Yeah, squirm. I mean, it's just, it's so fascinating, right? Because it's this guy trying to tell his own story. But like, obviously, when you tell your story, you're going to be the, the hero of it. And trying to figure yeah. out like how much of this happened and how much of it is him just putting his own spin on his own life it is so it's uncomfortable, but amazing to see. Speaking of Peacock, they're loving this. I, I see in the chat right now, uh, Gustav was saying, uh, cringe shows are the new comedy. Yeah, dude. At this point, they should have made yeah. Angeline like this because Angeline was missing something, but they try to play with it. They might as well have brought in the real Angeline done something mm. like this. Cause uh, that probably would have been more effective because that show just ended up going underneath. But here, different yeah. release strategy. I might be tuning in to see what the heck this guy was doing. Absolutely. That's two recommendations for Paul T. Goldman. Thank God it's at home so you can pause it and not have to deal with some of the stuff. That face that he makes right there, dude, that is just the entire energy, the the whole show so far for the three (laughs) episodes. Um, Yeah, it's a weird show. But that wraps up all of the stuff that we've seen in theaters, that we've seen in streaming, all of our recommendations. Zach, give a shout out to all of the inner cutie patrons and all of the listeners who are watching us live. Yeah, for the first time in 2023, we want to thank those InterCutie Plus patrons, those wonderful people Appreciate who support them. the show. They are Ewan, Julieta, Brady, Tim, Elizabeth, Josh, Ashley, Michael, Matt, Renee, Mr. Kobayashi, and Nick. Our Academy-level members are Tushar, Cademan, Connor, Sean, May, Ricky, Joe, and... Genesia and of Genesia and of course a big thanks to the uh, producer level patrons. They are awkward. You Denvir and Sam. Thanks again for all the support and a reminder that you too can become a member at patreon.com slash intercut pod. We can sign up for patron benefits like early access to our intercut episode outlines, early access Ooh. to some intercut episodes we just we put up the best movies of the year early for our patrons so you had a bit of a jump start on that you also get access to private channels on the intercut discord where we keep the conversation up throughout the week and you'll get an invitation to our monthly patron google meetings the next of which is happening today after we get done with this stuff 
Yeah. So it's not too late to go sign up to be a patron of the Intercut Podcast at patreon.com slash intercutpod and come join us to talk about your favorite 2022 movies as well as maybe get on our case about what we didn't put on our lists. Oh, I, I, I uh, Some shout-outs to the people on the chat. Shout-out to everyone watching live, everyone watching in the future. We love reading all your comments. I know you had some star ones over here. Uh, you had showcased Devesh says, <clears throat> Any of you caught that Harrison Ford, Helen Mirren one? And have you been watching Mythic Quest? Yes to Mythic Quest. I, I don't know if you finished it. I finished the finale for Mythic Quest. Oh, I haven't yet. My I mean, app look, kept crashing on me, but I tr- I yeah. stayed there and I made that thing work. It is um, the same ending, <laughs> kind of, but also v- vastly different. And uh, I think you're going to love it, dude. So Mythic Quest, still thumbs up from us. What's yeah. the Harrison Ford Helen Mirren one? Because I know of a different Harrison Ford Apple show called Shrink. Yeah, so that's that the one with start. Jason Sudeikis coming out. Uh, but yes. he is also... Right? No, 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 no. Oh. Jason, C- your boy from uh, Sarah Marshall. What's his name? Oh, Siegel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, Siegel, yeah. Uh, I, I mixed up their last the, uh, names, the J- Jason Yeah, Hesses. he plays a therapist, and Harrison Ford is also like the pop-up therapist of the of the building, and I was able to catch shrinking. a couple of episodes of that one. That, yeah, for Shrinking. That oh, one's pretty good. I didn't know they had that What's in the What's the Helen one? You should have it. Uh, they're on a okay. show on Paramount Plus called 1923. This is another part of the Taylor Sheridan expanded Yellowstone the universe. universe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's two spin-offs in one a year. yeah. Yeah, I've heard about these because, uh, as you know, Yellowstone, Paramount is so dumb. They don't have the rights for it. Peacock has the rights for it. So Paramount has the best show and they can't even stream it. So they decided, uh, Taylor, can you just like write two spinoffs? So the spinoffs, 1888 or whatever the first one is, and 1923, because they're years, they can't, there can't be a season two. Like, what do you, how could you do a season two? It's a miniseries for that year and they serve as prequels. And I laugh at it because I haven't seen them yet, so I can't judge them. But it just feels like they lost the streaming rights right when they had their streaming service yeah. going. So they had to come up with something. Mm-hmm. Just have to uh, get as many originals and, yeah. as they can. I will be watching them. And I've heard nothing but great things for Yellowstone. My brother's always telling me, watch yeah. Yellowstone, watch Yellowstone, watch Yellowstone. So I just I need to get on it. I, I know it's going to be a good one. Um, someone else had mentioned something. I think Gustav had mentioned uh, a recommendation that we may, we may have given. And then he had mentioned Alice in Borderlands. It's on my list, sir. I promise there you. There we go. It does not go unnoticed. Yeah, yeah Gustav as has been trying to get us on the Alice in Borderlands train for a little while. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I, uh, they came out with that second season recently. Yes, sir. All right. Moving on from that, Zach. What are your picks for the week? All right, so my picks for the week going to start it out simple. Go back to Paul T. Goldman over on Peacock. There are three really mind-bending episodes available right now. There's three more coming in the next couple of weeks. Funny, intriguing way to start off the new year. Uh, I'm definitely curious to catch the rest of that show. Uh, And while you're on Peacock... On January 6th, so not until this Friday, She Said is finally going to be made available. This is the uh, film that's about the New York Times investigation into Harvey Weinstein, uh, starring Carey Mulligan and Zoe Kazan, which didn't do so great in theaters, but might still get some attention at the awards. I feel like it's a it's a good pick for streaming. I don't know if it's something that you need to rush out of your home to go see, but it's a solidly mm-hmm. made film, and 
if it's going to be available as easy as turning on Peacock, then uh, I would definitely recommend checking that one out. Um, yeah. also I ended gonna... up liking this one. I, I caught this one by oh, accident I don't know if because you... I, went to the... okay. I went to go see Violent Night. I didn't check my list twice. I was at the wrong screening. I was in the wrong theater. And that's when I saw She Said in the Inspection. And I thought it was pretty good. So, yeah, I, I'm with Zach. If it's coming out on Peacock, I would have almost given it a junior price. I, I was actually... Mm. I kind of liked it. I know it's by the numbers. Yeah. And it's very stale. But people forget, like, journalists are boring people. And if you were to get them, like, <laughs> accurate, they would be like like them. It's a great procedural right. thing. I appreciate yes. how nerdy it is to, like, making sure everything was by the numbers. And I... It, it served exactly what it needed to be. I don't know what, what other people wanted, but I, I thought the movie excelled at what it wanted to. So yeah. Peacock's the best place to catch it if you haven't. Because 1999, it is able, ain't, no one, ain't no one paying that. Yeah, it's able to make the hunting down of sources into thriller material, which is definitely like, that's worth commending in its in it, in and of itself. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's definitely worth a watch over on Peacock. Uh, another movie that we talked about on this stream, This Place Rules, over on HBO Max. Probably the best thing that I new thing that I watched over the past week. Uh, really compelling documentary, and even if you're not necessarily a person who feels like they care about political stuff, there's enough humor and interesting documentary filmmaking going on that I think it's worth uh, putting on your radar as well. Talk a little bit about White Noise, which is one of my favorites of last year. I think I had it number 14 on my list ultimately, so missed out on my top mm-hmm. 10. But, I mean, it, 14 is still pretty good. And uh, I think there's a lot to like in White Noise. Art thinks so too. But my last pick is in theaters. Yes, sir. And that's Broker, the new Koreeda. If you uh, don't mind it's crying so around good. some strangers... Go find it at your local art house theater. It's a really beautiful film. And uh, yeah, a lot of great performances. They, they tell in you that it's one. good. Then you watch it and you're like, yeah, it's good. It's real good. <laughs> Every single time, man. Um, yeah, I, I two thumbs up on the last one pick as well. Uh, over on my end, I got some TV shows and stuff that's been coming out at home. We Own the City made my top TV of the Liz X. said, make sure you have that on. And I was only able to catch one episode. I haven't been able to recommend it here uh, as my pick for the week. So here it is because I caught it right at the end of the year. Wow, wow, wow. Fantastic. How yeah. this man didn't get a nomination for that episode four ending. Y'all did John <sighs> Bernthal dirty. But We Own the City over on HBO Max coming from the people who did The Wire. Uh, Paramount Plus. We were just talking about Paramount being a fool. They used to sell <laughs> their movies off, and now they ended up with the biggest theatrical movie of the year. This thing was two days on the service. Broke the records. They sent out an email, a customer service email, letting you know, hey, take these five little trivia questions for Paramount Plus. How well do you know it? And win a free year. Their first option was, what is the most streamed movie of the year? And it was Top Gun, but they hadn't counted it. It was Paw Patrol. I got it wrong. Paramount, you screwed up your uh, own survey because you didn't update it. Yeah, you're owed a free year at least now. I am owed a free year. My catch me if you can. <laughs> uh, d- digital that they digital copy. <laughs> digital copy. There's a lot from these studios. But nonetheless, Top Gun Maverick, if for some reason you didn't catch it in theaters, it's still there. But it's now available at home on Paramount+. Plus. Uh, I didn't get to fully get into this doc right here, but Wildcat was a new documentary that it's on Prime. You watch the trailer to this. It's a, a vet who's got PTSD from Afghanistan. Comes in, finds a woman who is uh, helping, re- uh, helping get this rainforest uh, with conservation and stuff. And it's the cliche kind of like he's trying to help this um, wildcat make it into the wild. 
but it's the wildcat who's really saving him, right? It, Zach, mm. I know. It is cliche as can be. You know how this movie's going to begin. You know the middle parts, and you do know the ending. You know that Butterfree moment's going to come. Yeah. I was crying in my bedroom last night. <laughs> it hits on every level. I don't know what else to tell you. It is by the yeah. numbers. It is everything. It is on Prime. And I recommend it. It's like one of those that's not yeah. going to hit my top docs of the year, but it did absolutely nothing wrong. It is a raw movie about redemption. And when you really realize who's saving who in this movie, I, it's on Prime, dude. Catch it. It's it's a really yeah, look, good documentary. Look, I could, I could be really cynical about this and be like, oh, I feel like we've seen a documentary like this a thousand times before. Dozens but like, times. I watch sad videos. I watch sad videos about pets on TikTok too. You know, like I'm, dude. I'm not so strong. Yeah, and there's some content warnings here with him and some harmful stuff and obviously with the wildcat they show you footage of this cat making it out there right and uh if you're a cat owner i i bet for a fact that you're going to feel a certain way because it looks like a cute little kitty cat before it grows up it becomes this you know killer wildcat but that is on prime highly recommend it and some other picks that we were able to see right here the quiet girl it is out uh, this is one where I don't even know how it's going to be released. I'm just putting it on people's radar right now. This is a submission to the Oscars for Ireland. The Quiet Girl, a little drama about uh, a family who gives away the youngest girl that they have because they're about to have a new baby. And it's the time that she spends over here with this new family. I'm going to leave it at that. Hopefully people are able to catch this one because it's having one of those really weird end of the year releases. But it's good. It delivers. And shout out to the inner cuties who put that on our uh, comment section for the best of the year. Uh, I'll wrapping up mine. Zach has said, she said at home, woman talking out in theaters. This is going to yeah. have its release uh, this upcoming weekend. I know the music box is going to have it. And I think that this has some of the best performances. I was listening to interviews and was perplexed. Really? I was bamboozled. This whole movie was directed and shot from the perspective of August. Did you know that? Well, that's I've been listening to the audiobook. I'm almost done with it actually. Uh yeah, the whole book is narrated by the August character, which is a change they get for to the, the movie. edit. And they say, "No, I don't think we should be doing that." They re-edited mm -hmm. the whole movie and while you're watching sequences, you're watching a scene, half of the cutaways in that scene were from other parts of the movie, and the editor said the entire movie was done like that cuz they had to restart it from scratch. Hmm. Wow. I would have never yeah. thought that. I still have my problems with the way they shot it because I hate the color correction. Um, the framing is beautiful. I just, I'm still lippy on the color correction, but the I, color I grading, need to yeah. view that at home. I still recommend it for all the performances, and I am rooting for Jesse Buckley for supporting. I still think she's one of the best, but a, a fantastic movie that's out in theaters. So we run it back, all of our picks for the week. Woman talking in theaters. Uh, a Quiet Girl, wherever you could find it, but I, I need to have that one on mm. your guys' radar. Wildcat, if you want to cry over on Prime. Top Gun, if you haven't seen it over on Paramount, and we own the city on HBO. And Zach had? Uh, I had Broker on theaters, White Noise over on Netflix, This Place Rules, streaming yes, on HBO sir. Max, She Said, streaming on Peacock later this week, and Paul T. Goldman, the new series, half of which is up on Peacock now, and the other half will be coming in the next three weeks. So yeah, a lot of good picks for this week. Uh, until next time, as always, follow us on all the socials at Intercut Pod. Make sure to go over to the Apple Podcast to leave us that five-star review. The Apple Podcasts have been really helping. We've been uh, reaching out for some Sundance emails, and you'll send them a YouTube link. They'll be like, eh. You send them that Apple Podcast thing, and they go, ooh. Yeah. So we appreciate ooh, you, everyone. You got hundreds of us. reviews over there? Ooh. They, they love we that. Need some more so five when, stars. We say, when we say we appreciate y'all, y'all leaving those five stars isn't just for our ego. 
It's half for our ego, but the other half is also because it helps us get these screeners and allow us to get these reviews out to y'all. So we appreciate that. Make sure to follow yeah. everything over on the we'll socials at Intercup Pod. Zach, where they where can they follow you? They can follow me over on Twitter, Instagram, or Letterboxd at Zshevich. That's Z S H E V I C H. And you can check out my YouTube or TikTok channels at Multiplex Show. Art, how about you? Beautiful. You can find me over at LME Explain on Twitter, uh, on Letterboxd, when it's up and running, and every week here on the Intercut Podcast, where we, every Monday, talk about the weekend must-watch and everything you need to know. We're going to go all 52 weeks, Zach, without missing a show this year. Let's go. We're one for one. <laughs> so until next <laughs> Good time, start. we appreciate y'all watching. It was a great start, Zach. We are on it. Yeah. Hey, all those people who are at the gym who aren't going to be there next week, we will be here next Monday for sure. <laughs> so until next time, keep watching movies. We got all this on Nance coverage coming up for you. Um, we'll see you all later. Take care.